following message is from Narrative Church, a Lutheran church located in Williamson County, Texas. For more information, go to www.narrative.church. Um, the story goes, there was a guy in our church body that as he was a member of a church, he got to meet the new student pastor who was in town. In our church body, we call them vicars. And so he met the new vicar, was really impressed by him. Well, this guy's business was that part of what he did is he trained hunting dogs. And he was so impressed by this new vicar in town, he named the next dog he started training Vicar. And boy, was this dog on fire. And so he's training these dogs. He's got, you know, all kinds of clients that come in. Well, a new guy comes in on a recommendation, and he wants to impress him. And he says, hey, I've got this new dog, Vicar. He's really good. For $100 this weekend, you can take him out. And the, the client says, that would be awesome. Takes him out. Best hunting dog he's ever had. The guy comes back to drop him off, says, listen, thank you so much. He was awesome. I might be back. He goes, great. He gets a call, kind of middle of hunting season. He goes, listen, I'm taking the CEO of my company out. He really wants to go bird hunting with me. Is Vicar available? He goes, yeah, but it's going to be about $300 this time. He's in demand. And the guy goes, no problem. He was so great. I want to impress the CEO. Let's do it. Perfect. They go out. They hunt. The hunt is so good. He drops Vicar off. The guy's like, listen. In a couple weeks, I need to take out some big clients. He goes, listen, Vickers booked up. I could cancel on someone else. Oh, no, I have a weekend open, but $1,000. He goes, done. Here you go. So $1,000, the guy goes hunting. He comes back to drop Vicker off. He goes, I impressed the clients. This was incredible. Thank you so much. He gets an emergency call from this client. He's like, I impressed the client so much when we went hunting that now they want to bring their CEO and come back and hunt with me. You know, I'll pay you whatever it takes to get Vicar. So if you have to cancel on someone, whatever, he goes, listen, you can have him. He goes, what do you mean? I've been having to pay over and over. What's going on? He goes, well, one person called him pastor. And now all he does is bark and sit around. So the joke leading into here is literally, <laughs> that's one of my dad's favorite jokes. He's been a pastor for about 40 years. And I thought, you know what, I'll, I'll start into that. But the reason was I want to talk about this idea of apprenticeship. That for me, part of becoming a pastor was I spent a year basically as an apprentice, as a vicar. And to give you, you know, an explain joke is the worst kind of joke. But here we go is that as a vicar, you, a lot of times you say, yes, sir, may I have another? Like you are there for the experience to learn, to grow. And so you get to do all kinds of stuff. One of the things I did on vicarage was when we got calls from the local um, funeral home that they said, we have someone here who's not connected to a church, but they said at one point they were Lutheran. My pastor would call me and go, guess what? That's a weird real time to shake someone's hand and go, so sorry for your loss. But it was, it was a time where I got to share who Jesus was. Now, I think all of us have some of that in who and what we are, that as we go about, whether it's our job, 
whether it's school, whether it's something in our past, we have had something where we have had to train under someone else to learn, to grow, to follow. And we've talked about over the past couple weeks to say, we as people of God are blessed. We're giving blessings from the Lord. We, as we talk about it here at Narrative, we talk about as what we call five capitals. Financial, physical, intellectual, relational, spiritual. God has blessed us in those areas and he calls us to invest those blessings back into his kingdom. We've talked about financial and physical. We actually did the physical piece last week for Serve Sunday. But this week we talk about what are the intellectual things that God has gifted us with. And it's kind of weird. How do we then invest those things into others? And I thought about the Great Commission. So here from Matthew. Jesus is about to ascend into heaven. Now think about being one of the disciples, one of the people, not just the 12, but the people who had followed Jesus, men and women who had walked away from everything to follow him. And now he's like, great job. I rose from the dead. Now here's the thing, right? Like Jesus is 33. He is coming into his prime. I still remember the day I turned 33. I get a text from my dad. He goes, 33. Awesome. That's when they killed Jesus. <laughs> I was like, thanks, dad. Real pick me up today. But I mean, Jesus has, he, he, he beat death. And then he goes, later, like, he ascends into heaven. And could you imagine being one of those people who see Jesus rise from the dead, and they go, sweet, he's here. And now, like, everyone else, like, stinks to be you because, you know, our God's alive. He was dead. He's alive. This is going to be cake, right? Bring on everything because we'll just go, oh, yeah, well, here's Jesus. Remember when he died? And Jesus is like, see ya. But he looks at his disciples as he's leaving, these men and women gathered around, and he says this, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is one of the most quoted sections of Scripture. Because it's Jesus inviting his disciples and the church to be a part of his mission. But as I was prepping for this sermon, I realized for the first time how annoying this must have been for them. Because here they are ready to go. Jesus has risen. Here he is. He's been back. And now he's going, I'll see you later, but I'll always be with you. And I'm sure Peter is sitting there going, excuse me, how is leaving being with us? Walk me through that one. This is not a simple thing. Like, I have seen it my whole life as a very simple thing. Oh, yeah, Jesus, and all this stuff. But then you put yourself in the shoes of that person who's standing there watching him going, I'm going to leave, but I'll be with you. So how does that work? And how, like, can you imagine the moment right after that now what moment where Jesus has ascended into heaven? And you go, wow, we did all this stuff, now what? It might be like sitting through 162 games of baseball, <laughs> cheering on your team, and then they win the World Series. I don't know, last night, 
And you say, now what? That's my one Astros reference in the whole sermon. That's it. But you look and you say, can you imagine that feeling? Whatever it is, you've been at that point where there's been a big goal or something you've been connected to and you reach it, you hit it, and then you have to wake up the next morning. And you go, I made it to where I had planned to be. Now what? What's next? That was awesome. That was exciting. Well, as I read this verse, I realized again and again, Jesus has trained his disciples for him to leave. He has prepared his disciples so that at some point he would leave and say, listen, I'm leaving my helper with you and I'll always be with you, but I'm gonna go. So let's look at some places where he does that. So he starts off in Mark 1, this is what happens. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said, follow me, and you will become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. So he invites the disciples, he invites these two fishermen to come follow me. And they leave their nets and do it. And they get up and they go, hey, we're going to follow you. And they begin this process. And it's this simple. He goes, listen, I'll do it. You come watch. So he starts off the process by saying, listen, I'm going to do these things. But first, you just come alongside me. I want you. I'm going to make you fishers of men. He tells them what he's going to do. You come along. I'm going to make you fishers of men. But he does it. And they watch him do it. Then later on, in Matthew, but Jesus said, they need to go away. They need to not go away. Give them something to eat. They said to him, we have only five loaves here and two fish. He said, bring them here to me. And then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. We talked about this verse not too long ago about saying, listen, God will take what you have and he will bless it for the kingdom. But also in this story is this great moment where Jesus invests in his disciples and he says, listen, I'm gonna do something, you help me out. So I'm gonna do it, you help, right? Jesus is now at the point where he's not going out and handing out the loaves and fishes, he's breaking it and he hands it to his disciples and he goes, okay, Go take this. And think about the experience that's in their heads as they take these loaves and fishes and it doesn't run out. He's teaching them about the providence of God, about how and what they do as they go. But Jesus is doing it. He says, come alongside me and help. In Luke 10, Jesus does this. He says, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. That verse that I hope at this point is a broken record if you call narrative home. I hope at some point you are sighing on Sunday mornings going, Pastor's talking about Luke 10, 2 again. Good. Set your alarm. Pray through the week. 10, 02. 
Like Jesus said that, I didn't. I'm just repeating him. So if you're upset, take it up with him. But I love this point because Jesus then goes, listen, I'm, I'm gonna do it, you're gonna help me, but now I'm going to send you out. And at the end of Luke 10, there's a breakdown where the 72 go out and they come back and they have a discussion with Jesus about what has happened. So we go from, I'm gonna do it, you watch, to I'm gonna do it, you come and help me, to where Jesus sends out, he goes, all right, I'm gonna send you, so you go do it, but I'll help you out. We'll have a discussion, we'll break it down. I'll be walking alongside of you as you go. So he sends out the disciples and goes, I need you to do it. So go do it and I will help you as you experience it, as you learn about what it means. And then we come back to Matthew 28, where he has done all of these things. He has said, listen, I'm going to do it. You watch me. I'm going to do it, but you come, come help me out. Come see how I do it. He's going to send them out. Go do it. I'll help you. And finally, he's built up to a point where he goes, listen, you go, and I'm going to watch. We have a God who says, listen, don't sit on the sidelines. Go be a part of it. I'm going to watch what you do. Now, when you hear that, I'm going to watch you, that's not like, oh, no more help for you. No, this is the spirits at work. The church is here. But the call and the sending to the disciples here is Jesus has invested Right, he has the 12 disciples close-knit around them. But then even after that, he has a group of disciples that are following him. So we think that's somewhere between 75 and 150 people who have been going with him everywhere. And he has been prepare, preparing them for the point where he will leave. And he will send them to Judea, to Samaria, to the ends of the earth as his people. Now, I have to give you the fact that this is basically a cheat code, right? As we talk about intellectual capital, what we know and what we know how to do, like this is Jesus, the Son of God, right? So, of course, he knows how to do it. But there are things in your life that you know how to do. And in fact, as we see Jesus do this, this is disciple making. That's how you make disciples. When he says, go and make disciples, this is part of the process. Paul will write and say, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Now, he's not saying be exactly me. He's saying the ways you see Jesus in me, do those things. But that gives people an opportunity to see the I do, you watch, I do, you help, you do, I help, you do, I watch. That it is a process of helping people get to this place. It is a biblical narrative of discipleship. It's hands-on, it's together, but it has this flow of starting and releasing. But here's the thing, as we think about the things we know or we know how to do, as we ask, Lord, you, you tell me to invest in your kingdom, if I have this intellectual capital and I'm going to invest it for your kingdom, what does that mean? Well, it's simple. Does it love God? Does it love your neighbor? Then invest it. Sometimes we get caught in the idea of saying, well, only if I evangelize should I do this thing. 
But here's the deal. Investing intellectual capital is taking the gifts that God has given to us and giving them to others. There's going to be opportunity to share your faith. There's going to be opportunity to do those things, but don't let it stop you to invest those things. I think about a very simple example of this. Growing up on special occasions, especially around the holidays, mom made cinnamon rolls. Now you think you've had good cinnamon rolls. You're wrong. Matt has. Chelsea and Deanna have been there as well at times. Now part of it is, you know, your mom makes something, I'll just fight you about the best cinnamon roll. But it was part of like, I can still see because we were a pastor's family, so there was church on Christmas Day, but mom would have the dough ready to go, the cinnamon rolls in the shape of a Christmas tree would be rising while we went to 10 a.m. church, and then we would come home and throw those bad boys in, and cinnamon rolls were every Christmas morning. So when I was getting ready to leave college and go to seminary, I knew I wasn't going to be as home as much. I said, mom, teach me. Now, here's the thing. For years, I had been working alongside her. When we hit the holidays, especially around Christmas, she would bring us in to bake with her. Now, it wasn't like I was seven years old and she was like, here's the recipe, good luck, right? It was, all right, I'm going to put this in and she's telling me what she's doing the whole time. And when I'm younger, I'm just watching. As I get older, maybe I'm in charge of you know, pouring certain things into the mixer and turning the mixer on at a certain speed. I'd be in charge of kneading the dough or cutting the cinnamon rolls. And then it got to the point where I moved to St. Louis and I call mom and I go, all right, I'm going to try cinnamon rolls. And I made them. And they were delicious. And I didn't have to share them with my brothers or sisters or my dad. <laughs> we had cinnamon rolls for days. It's like three hours. But I learned and I grew, and now, most of the time, I can make the cinnamon rolls on my own. But do you know what I do? When it's successful, there have been moments where it has gone horribly wrong. Last Christmas, heartache, just a gloop of dough. Still no idea that what went wrong, we're going to blame bad yeast. Join me in blaming something else. But whenever those cinnamon rolls come out of the oven, Heck, before they go in the oven, I'm like, every step of the process, I'm like, Mom, I did this. I did this. She's like, go to sleep. Like, you know, like, I'm sending her the parts along the way because I'm like, look at what I can do. I'm 35, and I'm still like, Mom, love me. But through this process, she did impart what she knew how to do to me. She invited me and said, listen, I'm going to do this. You watch. And I remember standing on the stool watching her do it. She invited me to help. I can still feel the feel of kneading out the dough. I use a mixer now because that's foolish. I still remember the first call going, so mom, like your recipe, like it's just kind of handwriting. And this says you could use this or this. Like her, you know, it's like this old Southern Living Icebox Roll recipe, but it's got all her handwriting on the side, and it's like, ah, this is optional. I'm like, Mom, that's not optional for me. Tell me what I'm doing wrong, because I've made bricks and I've made gloop. But then I've had those rejoicing moments 
where I get to hand the cinnamon rolls I've made to someone else. I can go, look at what I did. Like my goal is to be the cinnamon roll guy at Christmas, right? I hope someday to pass that on to others. And that's cinnamon rolls. It's silly and it's foolish and it's also one of the most important things in life. But that's the blessing of what God gives us when he says, I have gifted you with things you know and things you know how to do. Will you invest that in others for the sake of the kingdom? And for the sake of the kingdom could be something as simple as saying, look at what you can do. Sometimes we try and we want to make everything about this over-spiritualized thing. Well, guess what? God created the world, which means he created cinnamon rolls. Don't over-spiritualize it. Scripture says the Father of lights is the giver of every good and perfect gift. You can't tell me cinnamon rolls aren't a perfect gift. If you're allergic to cinnamon or gluten, I apologize. But there are things you know how to do. Maybe it's repairing something. Maybe it's, you know, understanding physics. Maybe it's a gift of financial understanding. I don't know. It's the Lord creates us all with these intellectual gifts. There is someone out there who needs that investment in their lives. Maybe they're related to you. Maybe they're a coworker. Maybe they're a friend. Maybe they're a random person. But God has shown us this idea of saying, listen, you walk alongside someone to release them. This process of I do, you watch, I do, you help, you do, I help, you do, I watch, it's not scriptural or holy. It's just an easy way to remember to say, how do I walk alongside someone and help them out? How do I invest that intellectual knowledge that God has given me into others. And this is a silly way to remember that, that we even see Jesus doing things like this. That we've been given the opportunity to take those things and give them back. And they could be the most intense and serious and qualified thing we know how to do. It's teaching someone our, our job, our understanding, our livelihood. Or it could be something as fun as saying, listen, want to learn how to smoke a brisket? I'm going to need 15 years of your life. <laughs> but do you know what happened along the way when I made cinnamon rolls with my mom? I have memories. I have fun. I have the Muppet Christmas Carol album stuck in my head for life. Worth it, by the way. If you're looking for a Christmas album... Ain't nothing like the Muppets singing Christmas carols. But my mom invested that in me because it is her time, her knowledge passed on. And it wasn't for anything other than her love of me and her love of teaching that to me. There are things that God has blessed you to know and to know how to do. And there are people in your life who he's putting there for you to walk through those things. And guess what? There are people who are know and know how to do things who he's going to give to you to teach you how to do things. 
as we talk about investing these capitals, investing our intellectual capital has this huge gift of passing on what we know and know how to do to others. And when Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit, and I'm with you always to the very end of the age. He wasn't kidding. It was his invitation to say, you're going to read my word. You're going to read about me. Invest that knowledge into others. So we can do all the fun things, but at the top of the pyramid is saying, how do we take that knowledge and invest in others? And we're going to talk more and more about that, especially as we talk about relational capital and spiritual capital here in the coming weeks. Would you pray with me? Lord, we give you thanks that we know how to do things. But don't let us keep those to ourselves. Let us walk with people through the process. Let us teach them and invest your kingdom into others. We pray this all in your son, in Jesus' name. Amen.